Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Back in September, a memo started making the rounds at the Pentagon. It was about something Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin called anomalous health incidents. This memo, it's both incredibly vague and weirdly specific. It defines an anomalous health incident as a series of troubling and sudden sensory events. An AHI, as it's called, could involve headaches. It could make you feel hot. It could be accompanied by sounds or make you feel pressure. This is what they should be looking out for. This memorandum offers advice to anyone who thinks they may be experiencing an AHI. If they have uh, sudden vertigo, if they uh, feel sudden heat, uh, sound or pressure in the head, um, they should be moving away from their immediate area with anyone who they are with as quickly as possible. That sounds kind of scary. Absolutely is scary to a lot of people. Michael Wilner is a reporter over at McClatchy. He's been following up with people who got this memo. He agreed to translate it for me. Michael says the first thing to know is that AHI is Pentagon speak for something you may already know about, but you're probably calling it the Havana syndrome. There are at least 130 suspected cases of so-called Havana syndrome first reported in Cuba. Some officials now suspect the so-called Havana syndrome could have been an unintended consequence of electronic intelligence gathering, which was then weaponized to intentionally cause harm. Havana syndrome got its name because of where it first emerged, Cuba, in late 2016. But since then, one incident after another has piled up in other countries, China, Russia, Austria, diplomats and CIA officers, even White House employees have been struck. This Department of Defense memo was essentially an acknowledgement. If you work for us, you could be at risk. Officials followed it up with a staple of modern office culture, a series of brown bag lunches. There are a lot of brown bag lunches at the Pentagon, and there are a lot of folks who just who never go. And these, I, I understand, were quite well attended because there is interest in finding out what, you know, what is actually known. The list of things that are actually known about Havana syndrome, it's pretty short. But Michael says, if you look closely, the way the Biden administration is reorienting its priorities right now tells you all you need to know. This intelligence community uh, has seen enough to take this so seriously that they've set up a large-scale investigation, the lead of that investigation having formerly spearheaded the hunt for Osama bin Laden. That sort of concentration of resources, I think, tells us something. What is very clear is, for the first time, the government 
has come to a consensus view. This is an intentional and deliberate phenomenon. Today on the show, how Havana syndrome is becoming a national security crisis far beyond Cuba's borders. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Havana Syndrome started and got its name because of these incidents that happened in Cuba in late 2016, early 2017. Can you explain what happened? Right. So about 26 or so U.S. government officials who were stationed in Havana, intelligence officials and diplomats, felt a sudden onset of uh, several concerning symptoms, hearing loss, vertigo, sudden pressure in the head. And this was when they were in their homes? Somewhere in their homes, somewhere around the embassy. And because of the large cluster, it it became a significant event. I know you've spoken to people who've had symptoms. How do they describe what it feels like? The, the problem with this is that the physiological symptoms are different for every person. But one person I spoke with collapsed with uh, pain in the head, said that they were they were very nauseous and it was really the sudden onset of it with no clear explanation for it that flagged for them that this was an unusual phenomenon. The mystery of these Havana syndrome cases, it's now spanned five years and three presidential administrations. It's been tough for the intelligence community to get its arms around because the symptoms are just so amorphous. Back in 2017, when the Trump administration was dealing with the fallout of the original attacks, there was some doubt that the ailment was even real. It seems to me like doubt was baked in to the response to what was happening with these State Department and CIA employees in Cuba. Like at some point, the University of Pennsylvania was looped in a brain injury center there and State Department employees started going there to be evaluated And, you know, at least one reporter noted that before folks came, some significant contingent of the doctors who were about to see them said, oh, this is probably psychosomatic. This isn't necessarily a real thing. The FBI doubted it. You know, there were elements of the intelligence community that had their doubts. And what this led to was a um, period of, of stasis. You had you had government officials who were just reticent to come forward. There, there was a lot of uh, concern at the time that uh, this was mass hysteria or a psychogenic event, as some scientists referred to it. It wasn't really until cases started popping up elsewhere 
that the debate was sort of resurfaced over what might be causing these events. I wonder a little bit if the turning point was when people who worked in the White House started experiencing something that sounded very much like what had happened in Cuba. I absolutely think that uh, if there were a single turning point, it was when White House officials came down with, with symptoms and within the White House that couldn't really avoid the topic. One national security official was walking to his car out of the White House compound along what's called the Ellipse, which is a big grass area outside the White House grounds and collapse due to this sudden onset of heat and pressure uh, in the head and had to get care immediately. And then there was also another case uh, in the suburbs of Washington with an individual, a U.S. government uh, official, uh, who was uh, walking their dog. And both the dog and the official had sudden pressure symptoms in the head. These two incidents happened in quick succession, and the Trump administration commissioned a report about them from the National Academy of Sciences. Their best hypothesis as to what was going on here was that microwave energy was being directed right at American officials. This idea is still the leading theory, even as more attacks happen and more information comes to light. We've seen cases in in Vienna, a hotspot for espionage activity. Back now with a surprising hours-long delay of Vice President Kamala Harris's flight to Vietnam. We've seen cases in Vietnam uh, so concerning that they delayed the vice president's trip from Singapore. She was on the tarmac for three hours as her security detail tried to figure out if it was safe to proceed. We've seen cases in London, in Serbia. In uh, Georgia, Poland, Australia now, Taiwan. So far more widespread than initially thought. You know, the accumulation of these cases is on the one hand concerning, but also an accumulation of evidence. And that has bolstered the confidence in this administration that this is a, a real pattern. When we come back, why it is so hard to hold anyone responsible for these attacks. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, 
giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. For Michael Wilner, the difficult part of reporting this Havana syndrome story is that it is such a moving target. Even high-level officials are going back and forth about how to characterize these incidents. Publicly, President Biden and his administration, they're using that anomalous health incidents language. But there are signs that some high-ranking officials want to be more explicit. Earlier this year, during his confirmation hearing, CIA Director Bill Burns called them attacks. And I do commit to you that if I'm confirmed, um, I will make it an extraordinarily high priority um, to get to the bottom of who's responsible for the attacks that you just described. Up until that point, there really was no uh, official in a senior capacity, much less someone from the intelligence community coming forward and uh, and describing these as attacks. Uh, and that is essentially where we are. They haven't said this is a, a government, a state actor that's behind it, but um, it is widely, you know, privately held within both um, the government and the IC that the technology that would be required, the reach and the motive is, is unique to a select number of state actors. It sounds like you're saying to understand what's happening with the Havana syndrome, you need to look at the subtext as much as the text, which is President Biden is not saying out loud. This was a series of state sanctioned attacks on American people. But at the same time, he's putting people in charge of investigating Havana syndrome who are so serious and have been so trusted within government that it implies that that's the case, that that is what we think is happening. There is a lot of implication in this story uh, and not a lot that's explicit. Um, Obviously, that makes it hard to report on. But, you know, their careful wording of really everything they say on this is due to a lack of confidence in what they know. We're talking about, you know, intelligence officers being affected in the field. We're talking about privacy concerns for diplomats. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of reasons why they can't talk about the specifics in each and every case. Three consecutive administrations have suspected that Russia is behind this phenomenon uh, for several reasons. One, Russia is known to have microwave energy technologies that they've deployed uh, as a surveillance tool. Two, you know, they have the reach, especially in the countries that we've seen reported cases, whether it be Vietnam or Austria or the UK, uh, certainly the Washington area, and of course, Cuba. They have the motive. The Russians are known to operate and thrive in the gray. They deploy poison and cyber uh, weapons uh, that give them 
plausible deniability. And this fits within that pattern. And so it has long been suspected uh, that Russia is the most likely culprit. President Biden, in his first in-person meeting with Russia's President Vladimir Putin in Geneva in June, his team brought this up with the Russians, and that is not an insignificant thing. Do we know what happened once he brought this up? We were told before the meeting that this would not likely come up because they wouldn't bring it up if they didn't have the confidence that Russia had something to say. And so it was quite surprising to us when we discovered that, in fact, it had come up and telling to us as well. That there was confidence. That there was was something to talk about uh, with the Russians and that they have something to contribute here. And I would say the other big revelation in the past couple weeks or months has been, again, in this workforce guidance that's gone out across the national security space, the direction to U.S. government personnel is move away from the immediate area with everyone with you if you feel sudden symptoms. And to us, that is a clear clue as to the theory that the government has as to what is causing this. They clearly are of the working theory that uh, this is a directed energy attack of some kind, And they're operating based on that theory, uh, even if they don't have it fully proven yet. It's interesting to hear you explain what a big deal it was for President Biden to bring up to Vladimir Putin these attacks, if you want to call them that. And the reason I say that is because what can we do? Like, let's say it is Russia (laughs) that's doing whatever's happening here. Let's say it is microwaves. It opens this whole other question of how the U.S. responds. It has always been a challenge uh, for the United States to come up with options to respond to, let's say it is Russia, to to Russian uh, activities, whether it be meddling in U.S. elections, whether it be the use of cyber weapons against private businesses. I mean, some might say this kind of attack on American citizens is an act of war. You know, the question is, does this cross a line, I think is the point you're making, into, you know, actual physical harm and what are the consequences for that? But it's a tough question to answer because the United States has never successfully deterred, you know, Russian activity like this, again, on the presumption that it is Russia, which is not proven. It strikes me these Havana syndrome attacks, they're occurring at a very difficult time for American intelligence more generally. Like just in the last few weeks, there's been this memo that went out basically saying American informants are at risk. How do you, as an intelligence reporter, think about these two things together? Or do you? Is intelligence, doing intelligence work becoming more dangerous? Do you see this as a sign of something bigger? I, I don't see this as it becoming more dangerous for the intelligence community because it, it has, I don't need to tell you, always been an extraordinarily dangerous job. I will say, though, that one parallel that has struck me is uh, this investigation with the 
inquiry into the origins of, of COVID. Uh, because at the heart of both of these is the question of whether this is an intelligence question, an intelligence challenge to be solved, or is it a scientific question that, you know, only scientists can, can really come to a firm conclusion on. And, and it's somewhere in between uh, is, is where I come down on it. The intelligence community is relying on the country's best scientists and academics to, to help them get to a clear understanding of the truth in both cases. Yeah, I mean, right now, if you're, is there like a scientific division of the intelligence services? Or is that something that's really lacking? Uh, it is lacking, and in fact, when um, when President Biden went to the the office of the Director of National Intelligence to address the intelligence community, his emphasis was on how the intelligence community needs to recruit scientists. <laughs> There's a lot of research going on. You're going to find you're going to have to increase your ranks with people with significant scientific capacity relative to pathogens. The traditional skill sets of folks in the CIA and other uh, uh, intelligence agencies are not adequate for us to answer some of these questions. And in, in that speech, which was not you know, widely covered in the media, but it was uh, broadcast for all of the intelligence agencies across the government, he, he talked about, uh, you know, the next pandemic, and he talked about these anomalous health incidents and how important it is for us to have, you know, better expertise. Michael, thank you so much for walking me through all this. It's my pleasure. Michael Wilner is a senior national security and White House correspondent for McClatchy. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Daniel Hewitt, Davis Land, Carmel Delshad, and Elena Schwartz. We are led by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. And I'm Mary Harris. You can go track me down on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you back here on Thursday. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm Dahlia Lithwick, and I'm host of Amicus, Slate's podcast about the law and the U.S. Supreme Court. We are shifting into high gear, coming at you weekly with the context you need to understand the rapidly changing legal landscape. The many trials of Donald J. Trump, judicial ethics, arguments and opinions at SCOTUS. We are tackling the big legal news with clarity and insight every single week. New Amicus episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen. <laughs>